The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the hot toddy and Irish coffee of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who aims to warm your soul as much as a warm cocktail, Josh, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm good. It's been a long weekend. Uh, the kid's been a nightmare, so it's been, I mean, relatively miserable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The high, high highs and low lows. Um, we had a snowstorm yesterday where I pulled a muscle in my back, shoveling the extremely heavy snow. It was all wet, heavy snow. So How that was fun. Did you get? 10 inches here. Uh, some okay. places got 15 around us. Um, but it was like, when it started, it was like legit, like they said snowing snowballs and that's kind of the best description because it was in, it was rain and big giant snow at the same time. So it all came down. And if you looked at like my front porch, it looked like it was raining because it was just all water, but on all the banisters, it's all snow. And you, you, you second, you grab that snow it immediately forms an ice ball. And I was like, oh boy, I guess I better start shoveling as soon as there's enough to shovel. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, wow, it was a fun weekend. I know, huh? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> That's very odd. Yeah, and it's actually supposed to be the 50s this coming week here. Sorry about that beeping. I don't know why that's happening on my monitor. Yeah, uh, that's nice for you. <laughs> it's, it's been very, it's been a very odd, uh, chilly season. We got cold for a little bit, but it really hasn't been bad at all here. So we, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I think we're going to be cold all week, um, which is like our first. Oh no, we'll be in the 50s at some point. So still not really. <laughs> Rain but hey, that week. should get rid of a lot of your snow, if hey, not all of your snow. Fingers crossed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, Josh, do you enjoy either a hot toddy or an Irish coffee? No, you know, I, I might be more in for an Irish coffee now that I'm drinking coffee, and I never really did before this year mm-hmm. uh, or last year. Um, I don't like traditionally hot beverages. Even like apple cider, I prefer cold. Uh, hot chocolate, I think, is the exception. Okay. And coffee, but that's new for me. <laughs> um, I'm just, I've always been a cold beverage guy, even in the winter. Like, I don't picture, I'm more of like a soup guy than a hot, than a hot beverage. I'm more of like a stew or a soup, or we had chili last night, like something mm-hmm. like that to warm me up. I also okay. take a cold beer any day over a hot liquid. <laughs> yeah, I don't usually, I would agree that in general, I prefer cold beverages, but I don't mind a warm beverage especially in the evening as you're kind of winding things down for the day i think a nice warm beverage can be very relaxing very cozy if you would sure i kind of like that i definitely can picture it i just just hasn't <laughs> been my experience 
Gotcha. Uh, hot toddies are actually a new thing. I was not much into them previously, but uh, in the last two years, I have become quite the fan. They're pretty delicious. So, brandy. I, I recommend them. What's that? Brandy. What's in a hot toddy? I, I, I mean, I use whiskey, but whiskey. Yeah. So, I feel like I feel as in with most cocktails that exist, you could kind of make them with just about anything. Yeah. And then just change. I don't know because I the one thing I really remember is I was in San Antonio for a conference. And while I was there, I was kind of perusing around and, and checking stuff out. And I went to this one restaurant. It was a pretty nice restaurant. And the reason I went there is they talked about like their tequila selection was incredible. So I was like, oh, I'll go check it out. And then I show up and of course they're like, hey, here's our selection of tequila old fashions. And I was like, well, I mean, I kind of thought that was a thing, like very specific, but yeah. hey, if we just change, put tequila <laughs> in front of it and say this is just the tequila, and granted, everything else was the same basically, but yeah, yeah, and it was good. It just <laughs> that is what I decided that realistically, you could probably make just about any drink out of anything. It'll just obviously completely change the flavor of mm. it. That's true. Just substitute for whatever you have available. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. So, well, Josh. I think we have quite the show planned this week. Do you want to get to it? Uh, yeah, sure. I just, I'm sorry. I got, we got paged on Twitter. We did? <laughs> Dan from Le- Le- uh, Letterman Games said, who's making how to play videos these days? And Skinny Matt said, paging board with video games. We're, we're, we're not qualified <laughs> for no, that page. No, we are not qualified. <laughs> I will not we even tell, We can tell people how to play the game wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're good at that. Yikes. Okay, yes, let's get going. <laughs> but I hey, you know what though? I appreciate thanks, being Matt. Of. We do appreciate that. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram. Also, Board with VG. We're a proud part of play some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do. You can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG, but the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Really quick aside, Josh, for some reason I have, as I was watching all of these Dice Tower videos as of late i've been watching a lot of dice tower content on youtube lately i my affinity for shut up sit down was like re-emerged i don't know why i hadn't yeah. really watched any <laughs> of their content in a while but i sat down and watched a couple of their reviews again and my goodness quinn and uh <laughs> they're very just, funny they, they do their th- they do what they do better than anyone does it's very very good um so that just a side note i really forgot how much i appreciate shut up and sit down <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Josh, what is your first topic this week? Okay, well, um, Penny Arcade just released a ton, a ton, a bunch of dates. I don't know why I wrote a ton. A bunch of dates for 2021 PAX Cons. Um, and before I ask you uh, questions, I'm gonna kind of, I'm just gonna read their tweet because I put it out in. Oh my goodness! Well, I guess enjoy my baby monitor noises during this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to read what they wrote, and then, uh, so it says, Hello, Pax Universe. Uh, we'd like to take this opportunity to announce our prospective show dates 
for the 2021 calendar. And before we do, we want to be completely clear about why we're announcing them now and how the global COVID-19 situation impacts our plans in the coming year. We're announcing our dates now to help partners plan for the upcoming year and how they might attend, as well as provide a chance to start conversations about how to bring attendees, panelists, exhibitors, and our broader community together with these events that are seven months away. Safety is always our highest priority, and we want to put these shows on for you and in a way that still feels like packs. But these things require a runway. Our national, our rationale, <laughs> national, uh, with things being this complicated, why not tell everyone all at once, which is very uncommon for them, right? Usually you're waiting for months to find dates, and they don't usually announce them until after one of their cons has ended. So it is definitely a big change. So they said, let's just say the quiet part out loud. If COVID-19 remains a major barrier to safely gather at one of our shows, we won't do it or we will take it virtual. As much as we miss, even crave the togetherness and magic of our packs, we will not put attendees, exhibitors, or our guests at risk for the sake of an event if things aren't on the up and up. Now, onto the good news. If things progress positively, then there's a good chance that we would be able to put on live events in the summer and later half of the year. So in that optimistic scenario, their new event calendar for 2021 will be, so PAX East, which is Boston, will take place June 3rd to June 6th, 2021. That's still four days. PAX West, which I think is San Antonio. Uh, no, PAX South is oh, San South. Antonio. West PAX is West, Seattle. Seattle, thank you. Um, September 3rd to the 6th of 2021. PAX Australia will have more info coming soon. And PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia will take place December 10th to the 12th. Prime Christmas buying season. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, because of what would have been the prospective timeline in the early year, uh, we won't be able to put together a PAX South in 2021, but we look forward to bringing it back to you in 2022. We're also working with our team in Australia and the Australian government, and we'll have more updates on PAX Australia 2021. Uh, expect badges, panel announcements, exhibitor updates, and the like to arrive in the new year, generally closer to the respective shows. And you can always find follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I think I can probably end that. Uh, so, uh, my question to you is, do you think this is a super smart move on their part? Or do you think this is a big mistake to even try to outright plan this for conventions? That's a loaded question. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> their business is cons, right? That yeah. is what they do. So a significant portion of me says it makes sense for them to work optimistically of saying, hey, if things go how we would like and how we hope they go, here is what our plan is. Because as they said in their message, it's not like if in May things are better because of you know the vaccine is working, people are getting healthy, you know, our, a significant amount of people have gotten to be able to get the vaccine, which is kind of the timeline. It would be late spring, early summer that they say that potentially would be kind of when everyone would be able to have access to it or, yeah. or at least have been gotten an injection by that point um, or their first injection by that point. It makes the June 3rd through the 6th one, the PAX East one is the one I'm most skeptical about. Yeah. I could see potentially that being a very small event, maybe. 
and I it'll be really interesting if they do implement anything like um, vaccine passports or anything like that right. that you have to prove you've been vaccinated in order to go. I'd be very curious if they're going to do something like that. But PAX West in September, like I said, based off of the news, which you know how who knows how accurate things are, but based off the information we currently have, especially starting with PAX West. I feel like that's reasonable, at least to put the information out there of here's what we're hoping to do with it be a huge caveat of, hey, if things aren't good, we aren't going to do it. So as a as a as a entity whose whole job it is to put on conventions, I totally get why they would do this. And by waiting till June for their first event, even though that one I still think it was probably a little up in the air, it seems like they're being as responsible as they can about it. What are your thoughts? Uh, uh, I'm mixed. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think this is a smart move, but I understand what I understand the move because I understand that I, I know some people are understanding, but a lot of people who are, who are planning this, these trips are doing a lot more than just buying badges. They're getting hotels, they're arranging babysitters or or animal care or time off from work and if they if pax has to cancel or make it a virtual thing where now your ticket is just so you can play tabletop simulator with calliope games like (laughs) you might not be super thrilled about that um so on that side and and you kind of saw that this year with a lot of people being mad at dice tower con um when they were like hey can you just don't get a refund and just do a digital like ticket instead. And people are like, uh, so we had a lot of issues with that, but I do, I do recognize it's their moneymaker. I really do. And I understand people's want to be public and gather, but I also worry about that too, because you, you don't know who you're being, who you're sitting at a table with. Have you, have you sitting at a table with someone who didn't get the vaccine, who was an anti-masker the whole year? Like, you don't know that kind of stuff. And if they did do something like a vaccine passport or proof in some sort, I would feel way more comfortable about that. They did send right. out a survey to, to, uh, former PAX attendees a few months ago that I filled out and they were asking all these questions about like, would you feel comfortable if we were taking temperatures at the door and all these kinds of things? So, you know, I answered that to the best of my ability to kind of give them like my own feedback about how I would be willing to do it. But um, I don't know. It's really, it was really surprising to me that they did this and announced them all at the same time because like, why not just wait it out a little bit? Cause then they don't have to, I mean, I get it. I get, I get it logistically just in my head. It's it's just it's tricky, right? Like I I don't I don't know that there's a right way to handle it, especially if it's if it's your um, money maker, if it's the thing that's gonna keep your employees employed and food on your table. Like you kind of have to reach out and hope that it happens. <laughs> yeah, and for me, I do think the fact that they came out and said that hey. If gathering isn't safe, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Like, they're very clearly up front. They're telling you, this isn't a guarantee. We're not promising, but here's what we're hoping to do in the year. And I I get, as someone who doesn't have all the obligations that you do or other people do when it comes to deciding, 
if I'm going to go on a trip somewhere. Though I do have dogs in, in some ways, you know, like yeah. it's kind of almost more complicated. Yes. Sometimes. But yeah, I the fact that they're being very transparent with, we don't know if this is going to work. Here's what we're hoping to do. I, In some ways, I don't want to say it completely indemnifies them of canceling, but they've told you already as a possibility. It is plan at your own risk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so would you be willing to go to a convention in 2021? It would really, really, really depend on the state of the world. <laughs> I would be much more willing in December, probably, for right. Pax Unplugged. Would you would be willing else. to plan now for one? I would be willing to say, hey, there is a, you know, Pax Unplugged is it December 10th to the 12th. That seems like a really probably likely fine time of year for me to be gone. It might be fun to be able to go on a nice little trip after all this pandemic stuff is over. So I'm going to start squirreling away some money and I'm going to circle those days on the calendar to make sure I don't plan anything else. But that's not, that's all I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm circling in pencil. <laughs> I'm not writing in marker, if yeah. that makes sense. No, <laughs> I know? hear you. I hear you. Um, I talked to my wife. I didn't think like this year we were going to skip packs unplugged and we were going to do the, the Dice Tower Cruise, but it would have already happened. So um, I didn't know what her plan was, um, and I asked her, and she said, oh, yeah, I thought we would be going. And I said, okay, the hotel is already booked. Like, not us. It's oh, it's out. It's sold out, the hotel. Oh, wow. And, uh, okay. So that we stayed at last year, um, which means, which was a surprise anxious. to me, either the hotel didn't open up a bunch of rooms because uh, sometimes they do wait for those blocks to drop for packs because they get blocks, but they charge you like $300 more a night <laughs> than if you booked it now. Even supposed to be a deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I-, I was surprised by that, um, but I was able to find a hotel like less than a mile away for like 400 bucks for three nights, uh, but it was $60 a day for parking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, just walk there it'll be fine you can park in a parking garage for 20 bucks a, a day it's much cheaper to do that <laughs> right uh, so yeah um i don't know what our plan is i was like oh maybe i could try to get press badges and then i wouldn't worry so much about the cost of the badges and then i always book on booking.com and i use the free cancellation bookings so i i would pay a hundred dollars more to book a hotel that has free cancellation than I would, I would pay $200 more to book a hotel that has free cancellation over one that doesn't. So um, it might still happen. Who knows? Um, it would be nice to take, like you said, to take a trip. I, I still kind of, I think we still want to do a cruise and we might still try to do that instead. But, but you know, free cancellation, it couldn't hurt, right? I should probably just book the hotel and then, cancel it if we decide not to do it that's what happened this year i had a hotel booked after we left last year and i canceled it in like january or because we were like yeah we're gonna do a cruise <laughs> but luckily we didn't book that cruise <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be very interesting to see how this all goes because one thing i've really been looking at and i've been getting a lot of emails about and other advertisements about uh is how many concerts have been rescheduled to starting next summer yeah and because that is one thing i am missing desperately is live music yeah (laughs) and i was trying to think about what the situation would have to be for me to go to a concert like when am i going to feel comfortable doing that 
for me, it would be uh, 2022. And I'm almost like that for conventions, too. Because theoretically, though, like if I got the vaccine, I should be fine, right? <laughs> that's the way vaccines work, isn't it? I don't know. I was just told that that's not how they work. <laughs> right. I know. I, yeah. Yeah, it, I it's I do wonder tricky. like how all this is. Once all the information is out and all the vaccines start to go out and that we can have, you know, a larger amount of people who have taken them. Because even in the tests that are done, obviously nothing there is ever hundred percent guaranteed or that it's going to work exactly the way that it did in those trials because the trials are still very small in comparison to when you give it to millions of people yes so but we'll see what happens i think next year this year was a weird year and it was a bad year in a lot of ways i think next year might be an interesting year just to see how all of this now shakes out when theoretically we're going to have this vaccine and do we get back to quote unquote normal life? There's there's going to be a vaccine. There's going to be a ton of newly divorced people out in the world ready to <laughs> mingle. There's going to be a bunch of babies born in 2022. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a, a weird nightmare next year. <laughs> It'll be very interesting for sure. So, any other thing else you want to say about Penny Arcade or PAX or conventions in 2021 i wish them the best i hope that it all works out i understand like they're at the will of this pandemic and this disease if you will it's not really a disease this virus um and hopefully everything turns out and hopefully we get a vaccine and hopefully it's not sabotaged before january 20th and <laughs> you know hopefully the healthcare workers come out good and we know that it's safe to use and then hopefully all these people that were census who said they wouldn't take a vaccine actually do so that the vaccine works. Uh, there's a lot of hopefulies before we can even get to June. So I wish them the best of luck. I think they're a fantastic company. They do a lot of good for um, sick children um, and uh, being inclusive and disabled gamers. Um, and I know everyone could use some social hangs like I know there's a lot of people who haven't been following the rules, but there has there's a lot of people who have been. And, you know, us board gamers, we miss our social gatherings. That we do. That we do. And I don't know if you perfectly set me up for that segue on purpose <laughs> or not. But either way, jumping into that, you know, if there's anything we've learned, Josh, during this pandemic, <laughs> is that board gaming is really challenging when you can't get together with other people around a table. Makes it really hard to board game. So I heard. <laughs> and there have been a lot of digital adaptations of board game adaptations of board games, whether it be apps, you know, games on Tabletopia, Tabletop Simulator, whole different ways that you can board game virtually or digitally at this point. So here's the question I have for you. And this is something we have talked about, I know, before, and it's something you will see posted in forums and other places from time to time. But I don't know that we've ever really dug deep into it. At this point, with everything that's happened this year, do you think it would be in the best interest of board game publishers to try to ensure there's a digital version of their game available anytime they launch a board game? I think it's tricky, right? Because your main source of income is because it's only available physically, right? And like, is that going to hurt your sales? 
do you only offer the digital version with the physical version? Like, how do you navigate that? Because if they start doing digital versions of board games as they're released, then that means they have to kind of take into account that maybe they don't sell like physical games. So now the prices of their digital games will have to be more in line with current gaming instead of like, I think most, I think twenty four ninety nine is like the peak digital board game price. And that's for like Gloomhaven and Wingspan. Like everything else is like $20 or below. Um, I think it would be super cool, right? Like I would love to be able to buy a copy of Sagrada and it comes with the app. Um, or like maybe like the anniversary edition of Ticket to Ride comes with the Ticket to Ride digital version. Maybe those. But I don't know that if I was going to go out and buy um, uh, title blades that I should like that what it would cost and if it should come with a digital adaptation of it. Um, but I think we're at the point now where digital adaptations of games are ver- are, are exponentially better in quality um, than even if you just compare it to the pandemic and Ticket to Ride ones. Ticket to Ride is not terrible. Pandemic, I think, is a bad one. Um, but what, five years is when they came out five years ago? And then you compare it to like Root and Wingspan and Battle Rage, like definitely a huge improvement. So I could see it becoming more of a focus for board games for sure. Yeah. I was thinking about this because, you know, all of the board games I've played basically since February have been two player for the most part. Yeah. Granted, we have played, a, you know, a few things. But for the most part, it's been two-player games, and while I enjoy that overall, there have definitely been times, almost to the same thing that happens when I go to buy a three-player physical game, that I tend to pause before I buy it. In buying board games this year, for the most part, I have just paused and been thinking, well, when am I ever going to get to play this? And then I just don't buy it at all. Yeah. Right? So I, I just was wondering, you know, if... Because you know all the all the markets and all the way things are done are different. Obviously, an app is different than Tabletopia is different than Tabletop Simulator. They are not all equal. They are all different, and I'm sure the investment of time and resources to make all of those vary considerably. I'm sure apps are the most by probably quite a bit. I would assume Tabletopia would be next, and Tabletop Simulator. Technically, I could go in there and kind of create the thing based off the information I get in the game. So. Probably the least expensive, though there are obviously officially supported uh, tabletop simulator games. I just really think that if in when I bought a board game, if I got a month Tabletopia or a 50% discount on the app, the app included would be best, but a discount on getting the, the app if they had an app for the game. Some other way to ensure that I am engaged, not just when the game is at the table, But when I'm also sitting at my computer or on my phone, that there's another way for me to continue to engage with the product, to me, would be really helpful and probably, honestly, make me more likely to purchase a game that I'm interested in anyway, but have kind of halted on because I know I'm probably not going to be able to play it for a while. Yeah. So here's my next question for you, then. Would you be willing to pay more for a physical board game? if it came with a code for the app of the game? And if so, how much more would you be willing to spend? Well, probably no, because you don't know how the game plays until you play it. 
<laughs> it's true. It's or at least I would wait longer to buy it, right? Like more it's I don't know how to compare it to like Cyberpunk, right? Cyberpunk comes out um on Thursday. I don't know how to compare it with a game I was excited to pre-order and I pre-ordered but I haven't played it. But for some reason in my head I know that the game will be like reasonably good, I think. Who knows? But I guess having two versions of a game that's bad is worse. <laughs> so like if I bought a board game and it was bad and the app is bad, like then you're stuck with two bad games. Uh it is tricky. I don't like if it's a situation where I vet the game out more and I don't kickstart it or buy it right away. Um, I think 20 bucks is reasonable to add to the price. Like, I mean, you just have to understand like you're Lord of the Rings. Are they going to charge you? How much are they going to charge you for your expansions? <laughs> Cause yeah, is that included? Is that, or do you get the, the expansions included with the digital version, but if you want the physical, you have to buy the the physical version. Like, um, but like, so like Marvel Villainous or Villainous in general, like $35 game, I'd happily pay 55 bucks for the board game and the digital game, happily. But I wouldn't do that for every game. And then if they don't give you the choice and every game is bundled with the digital game, I don't like that. <laughs> Yeah, I could just see. I was just wondering, you know, if a game was thirty nine ninety nine, but they said, "Hey, we're not going to charge. We're going to charge forty nine ninety nine to just give everyone the app as well." Yeah, I, I'm trying to think about how people would think about the value of that because what's in the box is obviously only forty dollars worth of stuff. So you're going to open the box and be like, "I paid fifty bucks for this, and this is all I got." And I wonder, I, I wonder if people would just ignore the fact that they got the complete digital version of the game as well right for that price. especially if they don't pc game like if it's not on like a mobile phone and it's yeah. steam game like you're like eliminating for board games probably half of your audience <laughs> i just think that's you know when he when it comes to like 4k blu-rays they're like oh you get the 4k blu-ray and you get the blu-ray and you get the dvd yeah. and you get the that's digital crazy. code and it's still, you know, this price that's $10 or more than it, but look at all the stuff you get in it. That's almost what kind yeah. of what I feel like <laughs> would be happening of, hey, the game's it's a little bit more, but look at all the versions of it that you get. Yeah, it only costs them be... a penny to make that Blu-ray, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. It's not a whole new thing that they have to program. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally recognize it's different, but in my mind, that's where I was yeah. going. I would be super interested, though, if a board game company explored this. And yeah. I think someone like Come On or... Even Days of Wonder, since Days of Wonder releases so few games a year, obviously they're part of Asthma Day. But if just Days of Wonder, when they release their games, which tend to be a higher quality game where you're getting, you're paying a little more for what you get in the box comparatively for the amount of stuff typically, just because it tends to be more quality. I wonder if they added $5 to the cost of their games and you got in an app when you bought it, I wonder if people would be down for that. Like when you bought a new, your Ticket to Ride, you got the Ticket to Ride board game and you got the Ticket to Ride app when you bought uh, Bunny Kingdoms Yellow. But like just their stuff. Yeah. Like I wonder if they would do that and how well that would go for people. I would like that. That I mean, I, I like that idea. Um, or you just even older games in general where they have apps like a way to push awareness of the app, I think would be good to include it. Just bump the price of your game up five bucks, include the app. And then, hey, guess what? My friend Kyle, he doesn't have Ticket to Ride. I have the app now. Maybe he'll buy it and we'll play together 
online, like I think it would probably be a pretty good marketing tool. Or even older games, rather than bumping up the price so that they don't drop in price, so you can maintain that price still of saying, this is still a $40 game because now it's kind of like a game of the year edition, right? Because right? yeah, yeah, we've yeah. given you the app too. So you're still paying, you know, the game is still $40, but since production costs probably have dropped on those items, you're still able to turn, get a little more of a return for your investment. I just think it'd be something I'd like to see more board game companies try to do. Uh, it seems like right now that it, they're very much separate things. There's the physical games and there's the digital games. And it doesn't even seem like at most companies, there's a lot of overlap between those two things. Kyle, there was a while where we played a board game with Seth. Oh, we played Potion Explosion with some we people. We did, yes. I think right now we should start a board with video games digital board game club. And we- Works for me. We just put out into the world what games we own on our phones and get games going with listeners and ourselves. Because a lot of those games, you have like seven days to take a turn. So you don't, it's not like we don't have to set it up so we expect someone to just sit at their phone and continuously play. Especially if we have like three different games going, like three different types of games going. Mm-hmm. I think we should try doing that. Yeah, and I, I'm really good at losing at a lot of games, so if people want to feel good about me themselves, like we can play games together, and you can totally beat me. It'll be great. Yeah, and I, you know what I'll do? I'll work on a list of free-to-play board game apps, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll bring them to the next episode. Sounds great. Excellent. All right, Josh, what is your second topic this week? So, Fortnite just added a bunch of new content uh, kicking off. I don't even know if it's right to call it seasons or just battle pass season. I don't know because they seem to keep adding constantly, way more than Apex, uh, which I I think that we need to define what a season is (laughs) first. (laughs) Um, So, they just added uh, The Mandalorian. Not and uh, Baby Yoda in the Razor Crests as part of the Mandalorian bundle. Um, the Joker, there's a Joker bundle in there, and they also just added Kratos, the God of War himself, which you can play on any console. So you can be Kratos on your Xbox if you wanted to be. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It's part of like this uh, hunters season where this weird character who everyone thought was voiced by Nolan North, but it was Troy Baker. Awkward. Um, (laughs) He voices like this main Fortnite dude. I don't know too much about Fortnite. So (laughs) Agent Jones, he's been tasked to find the greatest hunters from across realities. And that started with, well, it started with the Mandalorian, a person named Mancakes, which is a cowboy made of flapjacks. And now... (laughs) Kratos, as well as others. There are some other characters in there, too. Uh, there's also been... who I don't know if it's uh, like Photoshop or what, but there was some Master Chief stuff floating on the internet. Look, looked pretty official, but uh, that could have been anyone doing anything. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Kyle, is there a character that they could add to Fortnite that would get you to play? I don't think so. I... I... If people really wanted to play Fortnite, I would play it. I haven't played it in years, mm. and I didn't really like it that much when I did play it. I but hear you. I'm also not a huge 
battle royale person in general. Uh, just not my style of game that I, I, I tend to go to. And like, I'm obviously a big Call of Duty fan, but even playing the Call of Duty, like, I just, it doesn't do much for me, no matter how popular that game is, too. It just really doesn't do a lot for me. I do like Apex overall. It's still, I think, my favorite, I think, battle royale, probably. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know that there is a individual character that Fortnite could say, hey, we have X crossover now, and I would just go in and play by myself. Gotcha. Well, that's probably a really unexciting answer. No, no, it's okay. It's actually what I expected. I didn't think there would be one. Um, For me, it was the Mandalorian. I didn't think that I would get bit by the hype bug, but I did. Um, Seth and Kevin were talking about it in Discord, so I... I was like, you know what? I might as well give it a shot, right? I'll jump in. I'll see what I think. Um, and I was doing terribly. Uh, I wasn't having fun, <laughs> but it was fine. Um, I, it just took me a while to figure out Fortnite is not is clearly not the same game when I tried playing it as it is now. Um, and then Lucas from PSVG Prime and Flux Suppose, he, he wanted to try... So Lucas and I played uh, uh, last night, and we got a, we got first place, uh, and we played tonight, and we got first place, um, among other finishes. Um, I'm having more fun playing duos. We also played a tri- a trio with a listener, uh, Tom Servo, uh, over uh, in Fluxopose Land, and it was going good until he glitched out, so we didn't get to finish the game with him, but... Um, I'm having fun playing with Lucas and probably anyone with duos, not to undersell Lucas, <laughs> but it just is more fun with friends. Um, what they did add though is bots and it's not, it's not chock full of bots. Kind of like when we played Spellbreak, we're like, Hmm, is that a bot we killed or a human? I think for the most part, it's, it's easy to tell, but there's moments where it's not. And that feels good when you're getting kills, maybe not really killing other people but you're you feel like you're doing something and i think that's a big problem with when when i was playing fortnite or even PUBG, it's so long without seeing anyone and then the second you see someone you die and then you're done so then you wait another 30 minutes to find someone and then they kill you in an instant so like at least now we're getting kills and some things you can tell are actually like interactive map characters and you know that that's what you're going to do. There's like little text bubbles above their head. So, you know, you're going to get like a free kill, but they can still take your health like way down. So it's still challenging. Um, I don't build. Sometimes I accidentally build a wall um, because the buttons are I'm still getting used to, but uh, Mandalorian uh, got me in. I unlocked the Razor Crest parachute and it was super cool today. Um, so I just, I did the battle pass just to get the Mandalorian stuff. I'm going to try to work up to unlocking Kratos instead of, I don't want to buy him. I don't know. I want to put more money into it yet, but at least in this situation, um, the Mandalorian got me in with just keeping up with my excitement on the show currently. And, and um, I think if they added Batman proper, I would totally be in on that too. And like right before we recorded, Lucas got killed by Wolverine and I was like, Wolverine is in here. What is going on? This is so bizarre. (laughs) So I really think it's cool with the character integration and how many like things they're getting in there. But it's also expensive. Like they add like a superpower thing and you can customize your superhero, but you have to pay like just like 20 bucks as like entry to get your superhero. 
it's one superhero <laughs> out of like mm, the 10 right. possibilities. So it is like a little daunting, but uh, yeah, it's free to tr- to try. So if you ever want to play with some people, you can join us. But I don't know how long I'm going to keep playing, but probably as long as people <laughs> want to play games with me, I'll play it. <laughs> what? How? So my big problem was I didn't. I never felt like the shooting in Fortnite felt good. It feels weird. I, I've, I that's why I don't like it. It's because I I don't feel. It's, I never feel like I know if I'm hitting people. You know, like I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's any weight to the shooting. Yes, I agree with you on that. It's definitely okay. that's where it suffers between Apex and Call of Duty. Like you mm-hmm. don't get that same feeling. It's more in line with like PUBG. Like it's long distance shooting typically, and you're not really getting the sensation except for seeing like crit points pop up over their head like that's about it yeah so and like i said that just from a field perspective i never felt like it felt great props to people who like it it is interesting that they have now added they'll have their monthly subscription now and i wonder because i feel like they've been losing players maybe i don't know i don't know how they can afford all these licenses if they are losing money (laughs) well i think that's why they're introducing the subscription model because that is even more consistent revenue than uh uh, passes that's every couple yeah like hey mom buy me a year of Fortnite for christmas right and i know you can earn it like i know like just like in the for um the the pass you can earn you know your next month if you want to but it is an interesting new look uh, that they're doing all the time in that game. And they are pushing boundaries and they're expanding. You're right. They update stuff constantly, uh, unlike Apex. And, you know, Apex has gone on record and say they don't do it because they don't want, want to overwork their people. Yeah. yeah, they don't want to crunch their team. So that's why their stuff is much slower. Uh, and Epic has a gazillion people working at it. So, yeah. you know, no big deal. But... Yeah, so no, I like I said, I'm always happy if somebody really wanted to play it. I would have to download it. I don't. It's not on any of the systems I own, uh, but I would always be willing to play. So yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll jump back in, Josh, and you and I can play a little bit. Time to download full <laughs> crossplay. Oh yeah, we could all play it on our systems of choice. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Josh, my second topic: people be leaving. So there's been a few high-profile names who have left studios recently, um, and you know studios they've been at with for quite a while. Uh, first up, um, the Days Gone writer and director have both left Bend Studio. Uh, writer and director John Garvin, as well as game director Jeff Ross, both have been there, uh, I believe, for well over 20 years. Uh, Garvin was actually one of the founders, if I recall. Uh, Sony Bend way back in the in the 90s. He's also the person who created things like Siphon Filter. So John Garvin's been around a long, long time. Uh, well, uh, been, like I said, with Sony Bend since the beginning. They actually had a different name back in that day. I don't remember what it was, but been around a long time. But then also over at BioWare, the Dragon Age 4 executive producer leaves along with the studio's general manager. So Mark Dara, um, who's the executive producer of Dragon Age, and Casey Hudson, (laughs) who had just come back to the studio about three years ago after being at BioWare for a long time, um, are both moving on as well. This on top of news that they're uh, the person who created Silent Hill and, uh, oh gosh, Gravity Rush. Uh, has hmm. left um, Studio Japan, Sony Studio Japan. So, Josh, first question. 
Yeah. Do high profile names like this leaving studios mean there's a problem? Uh <laughs> yes. What how <laughs> significant of a problem do you think that means there is? I think when people are at this high of a level, that means that they're not their vision isn't being visualized, <laughs> if you okay. will. Uh because when you're at that high of a level, you pretty much have most of the control over what's going on. So I don't know if it's if it's executives from your your parent company, or if your team isn't putting out the work. Uh, that's the the tricky stuff, right? But man, to to see Casey Hudson leave Bioware again is just heartbreaking, Kyle. <laughs> It's why is that, Josh? Because we all thought he was coming back to fix it. <laughs> Does this mean it can't be fixed? I don't know what this means. Uh, it probably means the new Mass Effect is going to be on Frostbite Engine again because <laughs> nobody wants that, and he and he didn't want that. Um, and it's also funny to me that Dragon Age Four is going to be at the Video Game Awards, and the, <laughs> the dude just leaves. <laughs> so like, it's just like. I think you just kind of, there's definitely a world where this isn't a big deal, but I just think that all these high profile people leaving is always bad news. It's from Kojima to, I don't know the Sony Bent guys, but like they put out a great game that that maybe didn't get as much promotion or love from Sony that they wanted. I don't know. It did definitely get overshadowed by some other first party titles. When it came out, it actually sold extremely well. Yeah, it did. It sold really well, and, and I, I think it's still selling well because of that PS5 um, update. I mean, I know it's part of the collection now, but um, I just, I don't know. It just, it, it just, it, it sounds bad. It looks bad, and this, these are the things that make like publicly traded companies drop. And it's not just video games; it's anything. Like the CEO of. GE steps down, boom, there goes Texas. Everyone knows that it's a shakeup to some degree, but no one knows to the extent because we're not in that room. And we don't know if Casey Edson was screaming at people for three months or if he was offered a job at Microsoft or Sony. Like, Again. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, we don't really know what the context is for them to leave. I think at least for the days gone, uh, the writer and director are both leaving. That could be more in line with a project or a company because you see it happen in board games a lot. People go to create their own company or studio or what what have you. I don't know that – I mean, Casey Edson probably could get his own studio going, but he just keeps – he gets headhunted all the time. Like people just want to bring him in and then he leaves apparently. (laughs) I don't know. It just – it's so frustrating to see that, at least for me, like, he was a beacon of light for me and just fizzled right out. <laughs> I crashed so, right into those rocks at the base of the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. So so speaking very briefly about Sony Ben, John Garvin actually has been gone for a year. He just never told me. Oh, okay. So he left not long after Days Gone shipped. Uh, and, and he... 
I think for the most part has just been chilling out. I don't think I don't know if he has any desire to get back into the game industry. Like I said, he was there back in the late 90s um, working on siphon filters. So he's been doing this gig for 20 plus years. And sometimes people just want to change. Right. Some people times people just want to do something different. They worked on Days Gone for like six years. Yeah. So I could see at some point just just wanting something different. And like I said, he's been gone for a year and hasn't been working on any game stuff. Has just been doing his own personal things that he's wanted to do. Which I think for him, sometimes people just need to change. I don't necessarily think that is a huge, huge warning sign for me. Uh, Jeff Ross leaving, it sounds like he's probably still going to be working in games. It sounds like he's moving to Chicago. But we don't know what um, role he's going to be going in or, or doing he, he said he would talk about that more in the future so but yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there next because it they have been hiring it sounds like more than likely i would assume it's going to be some sort of sequel today's gone or something like that is going to happen out of there but i also kind of this situation to me feels a lot more like when bruce straley left naughty dog how they had created this really cool thing. They had worked on Uncharted and did the um the original Last of Us. And then he was gone and just like, no, he just didn't tell anyone. He yeah. just took some time off and then just never came back. You know, and that's kind of feels like what John Garvin did. And depending on the team you build and the people you build around you, it might not be a big deal at all. Um, they, they might still be in really good shape and, and able to do really awesome things there. So it'll we'll have to wait and see, obviously, um, what happens there. Now, the thing that is more interesting to me about the Bioware stuff is that um, in their, in talking about it, Casey Hudson said that, uh, and I'm reading this from Games Radar, quote, for me, it's been the realization that I still have tremendous energy to create, but I also need to try something different. I'm not sure exactly what that is yet. But I know that I want to start by rediscovering my creative passion through more personal work. So it doesn't sound like he's been headhunted. It sounds like he's just piecing out. Maybe he'll create his own studio. Maybe he'll be doing something else. But he is just done um, with Bioware for now. The other interesting portion of all this to me is that um, Mark Dara wrote that Dragon Age will be in good hands. Christian Daly will be moving into the executive producer role. Christian Daly is a strong leader, will provide great insight to the rest of the Dragon Age leadership who remain. This is a team that includes people with decades of experience at Bioware. I'm confident that together, this team, that this is the team that can make this Dragon Age the best one yet. The interesting point is that Daly is also leading work on the next stage of Anthem's development. (laughs) So (laughs) Christian Daly now is trying to balance both Dragon Age 4 that we're going to see in a few days here at the Game Awards. Plus Anthem's reboot of trying to make Anthem everything it can be at the same time, apparently. Maybe he's a genius. <laughs> Hopefully. Maybe. Uh, I don't even know how... <laughs> I don't know how you can split your time between those two games. <laughs> that does, and maybe they will bring someone else in now to work on Anthem's development instead. Maybe this will get shifted to someone else. But that probably doesn't speak really hopefully for Anthem then. Uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but second big question for you then, Josh, based off all this, and I think you may have kind of answered it when you have high profile studio people who like this, who leave studios that sometimes employ 200 people. Yeah. How impactful is it for two people to leave? Why are we talking about 
two people leaving when a game is made by literally hundreds of people? Well, it's direction. You know, like the guy who is the level designer, he's not writing the game. He's not in charge of the people writing the game. He's not giving notes. You know, he might be, he or she, I should say, uh, they might, they might not be giving notes, but uh, they might, who knows? I think, so someone, there was a Twitter conversation that happened um, where someone said like, I think Dalvin Cox shared, oh no, Casey, like Casey Hudson's leaving. And then someone commented like, you know, one person leaving at a game studio really doesn't worry me. There's been plenty of like games or, or big high people have left. And so he's like, I'm not worried at all. And I was like, well, like Kojima should be the example. One person can leave a, a game or a studio and it can greatly affect it because that is the visionary in the studio. And for all we knew, at least for Mass Effect, Casey Edson was that person. And it showed when he left. And we, I guess we were about to see maybe what his vision for Anthem was because he came in like, middle of development on Anthem, probably to try to fix it. <laughs> and that, you know, so I think that there's definitely, of, of course, there's occasions where it's not that big of a deal. And then if we talk about like Supergiant, where there's like eight people who work there, like it's different than EA or Bioware or Sony Bend or Sony Santa Monica. Like there's differences there as well. But um, if David Jaffe left would we still get the same game if Corey Balrog left? Would we think that the game is going to be fine? I don't, th I, I think no, like at least not, not right away, not in the middle of development, right? If it was between Jaffe and Balrog and it was five years. Yeah. Like maybe they get the time, but you leave a game in the middle of development or the start, even the start of development. Right. And when Casey Ethan says he doesn't feel like he's a, passionate about what he's doing well what what did he just write that he's not passionate about that they're making into a game <laughs> what is that game gonna look like <laughs> like do you have to start all over was he just affected by 2020 like a lot of people were and maybe he's just depressed and ready to get out for a little bit or or does he not think he put his best writing into this new mass effect game or or however much his involvement was or is he looking at anthem and thinking maybe i can't do it anymore Maybe he can fix Anthem. Like, there's a lot of little things like that that I worry about. But I think ultimately, in my head, if I had to give a definitive answer, yeah, I think one person or two people leaving can can have a huge effect on a company. Yeah, it's. I'm going to be very interested to see how all this plays out moving forward. I I do think, kind of like you said, there is the potential that people leaving could open the door for voices who we haven't heard who might be able to do something even better yeah you know but it is scary right when you have someone who's been in charge of a franchise who's done great things with a franchise when that person leaves or that person has produced quality work in the past and they go on to something else it's always going to be scary but that doesn't mean that the new people who are coming in won't be able to do ideally a good you know an equal quality job or potentially even a better job uh, than the people who were there before them. And theoretically, if the leadership at a studio is good and they have been investing in their people, growing their skills and ability, growing their knowledge, 
that should happen, yes. right? Like when they leave, the new people who fill those roles should be able to put out at least an equally quality product, ideally uh, an even more quality product. The, the, the idea of when someone leaves and the whole company falls apart, that means they were probably a bad leader because they weren't able to develop anyone below them to be able to fill in within their absence, right? They didn't give those people the skills and knowledge they needed to to be successful in their roles without them micromanaging them. Right. And that to me is bad. Like that sounds to me like a bad leader. So hopefully in these situations with these people gone, um, that whatever they go on to next is great and works out well for them. But this gives the opportunity for other people to potentially flourish who maybe wouldn't have had to. I'm going to try to take a positive look at it (laughs) and say it's going to be great, Josh. It's going to be so good. It's going to be the best Mass Effect, guaranteed game of the year, (laughs) the next Mass Effect. Well, I I definitely know how to eat crow. (laughs) (laughs) So I deserve that one. (laughs) Anything else you want to say about people leaving, Josh? Uh, No, just I hope they're going to do something that they're happy with. I don't care if it's in video games or not. Like, if you're not happy... Go find some. Go find your happiness somewhere. Absolutely. All right, Josh. What is your third topic this week? My third topic: uh, Dungeons and Destiny. Yep, they made that. Uh, I read that like I didn't write it. Uh, <laughs> there's a fan-made <laughs> Destiny D and D game out there, and you can get it for free. I thought this was re- this was really interesting. It's it's uh, apparently this is from uh, this is from Kotaku, um, but apparently fans have been trying to turn Destiny into Dungeons and Dragons for two years, like a pen and paper um, game. So this this past week they released the 1.0 version of Dungeons and Destiny Player's Guidebook, um, providing an entirely new way to experience Bungie's looter shooter uh, using Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition rule set. Um, I think that's really. Uh, cool uh they definitely they said they overhauled the whole uh system they added nine new classes from scratch based on uh, existing destiny subclasses like gunslinger voidwalker um they're using the new stasis subclasses which is cool because that means they can keep changing this game based on the changes in destiny um it'll be interesting to see how how um how destiny handles this and if they kind of just cease and desist and do this on their own. Um, but it's a fully-fledged thing. There's 14 different weapons, um, which you can choose your own perks and your upgrade path, and it's essentially your Destiny game on pen and paper. Uh, so while I think this is super cool, and you can definitely check it out, there's even a Discord and a subreddit, um, but if you want to go to the Kotaku article, you can download it for free in the article. Um, uh, my question to you is, what video game would you love to see had this treatment? That's a really great <laughs> question. And I was wondering if that's where you were going to go with this as I was reading through the Kotaku article. So I tried to start thinking of games where you really do create your own character, your own player that you level up and gain abilities and skills throughout the game and obviously there's a whole bunch of them that rpg mechanics have become part of it but one game i'm playing right now and even though the the main character has a personality i think you could easily especially with the interactions they have change that to fit kind of how you want to role play it i think doing an assassin's creed as a role-playing game would be super Mm. sweet 
because you'd really have a ton of flexibility in time that you do it, locations that you do it, uh, you know, hit, whether it be trying to stay super uh, realistic to what happened in history or going into uh, more supernatural areas you could if you wanted to because the game world allows for you to do that. So I think Assassin's Creed would actually be a super sweet tabletop role-playing game. What about you, Josh? So when I was reading through the notes yesterday, before I decided to put this article in here, um, I thought about Days Gone and how, like, uh, like my obvious choice would be like a Horizon Zero Dawn one. But what I really think is interesting about Days Gone is you at first you add the zombie element, right? So now you can constantly be involved in some sort of action, and it doesn't have to be with big bosses or main characters. It can just be like you open a door and there's four zombies inside, right? I believe they're called freakers. Freakers, sorry, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it also adds in the task management of D&D. So you have to go fix things. You have to do favors for people. So it adds in that like town like element to the thing like and like part of D&D is the storytelling and you're not always going and killing things. Sometimes you're doing a menial task, but it's like what happens while you're doing it. And I think Days Gone offers the ability to do that and there's so many different like character options. You're not like limited to a main character because you can just be one of these biker dudes from one of these biker gangs and or more. But like that's like your main like that's your forte for days kind of like biker gangs. Um, So like and then maybe you decide you want to be the mechanic and you want to be the skilled hunter and you want to be like all these different like character profiles, too. So. It's kind of like almost a general Dungeons and Dragons type thing because the theme is a little less uh, forward than like a Destiny because you could make it Sons of Anarchy probably just as easy as Days Gone, except for the Freakers. Um, But like those experiences like um, running into a nest or a horde, like that could be really cool on pen and paper and how you would handle it. So I thought they, I thought that Days Gone would like lend itself perfectly to that style of game. That's a really, really good answer. I do think it's cool though in the Destiny one that you can play as the hostile alien factions. Yeah, yeah. That's a nifty little addition that tabletop RPGs allow you to do. So, well, very cool. Any other games that you know? I think man, uh, Mass Days Effect would really be great. They are doing Borderlands. Yep. But yeah, Mass Effect would be really cool. Um, Dragon Age is a little too much on the nose. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you could do things like Uncharted or God of War or Halo. Um, And I don't know why, but just in my head, I don't feel like they would work. Um, Which is weird, because I think Destiny works great, and I can't see Halo working as a and d game for some reason. Unless you're you're all Spartans. (laughs) You're all ODSTs. Right, and I think that's kind of when you have one super dominant main character, it it's much, much harder yeah. to just transition to a role-playing game. And I think that's part of the reason Assassin's Creed works is they've had so many different characters who have been in the lead that that's totally reasonable that whoever... Yeah, anyone can be an assassin. Per- exactly, exactly. So, 
Because, yeah, like Uncharted would be super fun as a board game, I think. I think you could do some neat board game things with Uncharted, but I don't know that you could make a great tabletop RPG with Uncharted. There's an so. Uncharted uh, deck building game. There is. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. cool. All right, Josh. Well, my third topic this week, then, is the Game Awards are going to be happening just a couple days after this episode releases. And while we've already gone through and picked our winners, uh, I wanted to go through and talk about something a little bit different with the Game Awards. But before we jump into that, number one, Josh, are you going to watch the Game Awards? I will be working. So, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll try to watch what I can, but um, most likely I will not see the entire thing. Yeah, my goal is also to watch it, but I feel like it's going to be really long. I, I've heard people saying it's going Four to be exceedingly hours. long. Four hours? That's what I have been told. That is what I have heard, too, and I have not looked up to verify that, but that is a really long time to not be playing a video game or reading a book or playing a board game. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to watch it. Have but- it multitask. Have it on in the background while you're doing one of those other things. That would be the best way to do that. I've been playing a ton of Hades again, actually. So hey, I could easily play that Hades. It's great to while, hear. Yeah, while I'm doing that. So I have gotten to. Um, I beat the Minotaur once. Okay. So, yeah. And that's how far, how far I've gotten. Okay. Well, and I, I guess spoilers for Hades for 30 seconds. I beat the Minotaur where you get him to like three quarters. Like you he beat him like the a first time. His health left, and then he's like, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah. So that's how far I've gotten. Okay. And then I got to like the next room and died. So I think it's 35 rooms is how far I've gotten. So, yeah. But anyway, I decided to pick it back up because I was like, you need to play this. You like this game. Play this game. And I have it. And it's great. So, but what I really want to talk about, and this actually might be some way related to Hades, depending on how this goes, is Josh, the Game Awards, they give out a couple of awards. But the big reason people watch the show is the reveals, right? They have reveals for games we've never heard of trailers for games that we already know about but with more information and every year i i feel like for the most part for the last few years things have gotten a little bit better and a little bit better last year obviously we got the xbox series x revealed for the first time ever and no one saw that coming so there seems to have been this upward trajectory of how important the game awards have been and this year with not having an e3 with not really having a lot of the traditional things that we've had it seems like the Game Awards might be poised to have some pretty good information presented at it, to have some pretty good reveals, to have some awesome trailers that we weren't expecting. So I just want to take a few minutes and talk about what are you hoping <laughs> to see? Not necessarily what are you predicting that 100% is going to be there, but what are you hoping to see at the Game Awards? Well, I'm hoping we don't see a trailer for Prince of Persia. Because I've seen enough of that game. <laughs> it's supposed to be out in January, right around the uh, corner. What I am hoping for is I, I, I think that Outriders hasn't gotten a lot of um, attention. So I'm hoping that they put they put together a good. They get a trailer in here, right? And they and they introduce this game to all the people who will be watching the Game Awards. Because I still really do think this is a fun looking game. I don't know if it's going to be the best game of the year, even in the top 10, but it looks like it's going to be a fun game. So I would like to see them get some more press out of this. Right. Uh, I believe, and just to insert real briefly, I believe the confirmed things that we know we're going to see are Dragon Age 4. Hood Outlaws and Legends has said they'll be there. Uh, Among Us, a new map 
and season three for Fall Guys. Those are the four things that I believe correctly are like confirmed will 100% be there. Okay. So just so we're on the same page about that. So continue on. Obviously, Outriders, I agree. That's a game I would love to see more of because uh, you and I are really hyped on it, but it doesn't seem like anyone else even knows this game exists. I would love to see what Anthem looks like right now. Um, I don't know that I'm too excited about it anymore, but I would love to see where it stands, what it looks like, uh, what they've changed. So they could give us some type of like No Man's Sky type trailer. Like how they would be like, this is where you were. This is where you are now kind of thing. Um, or like even how they're planning on addressing people who bought Anthem or what, something. Just some talk about Anthem. Maybe leading into Dragon Age 4. I don't know. Um, maybe some gameplay from the Mass Effect anthology. Uh, trilogy, sorry. Because we just got a weird cinematic trailer. Not even really cinematic, just a weird trailer. Um, but that's the selfish part of me that wants to see that. Um, we're probably going to see something weird about Cyberpunk because it launches that night. So there'll probably be some weird announcement. Maybe we'll get the announcement dates for the next gen, um, uh, upgrade. And it's like available tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah. They already said it's going to be 2021. (laughs) Um, I'm looking through this list. Uh, I would love to see Far Cry 6, some actual gameplay. Uh, that would be cool. Uh, God of War Ragnarok would be cool. Um, maybe some Halo Infinite. I don't know if we're looking. They at... have already said Halo will not be there. They did. Yes, I believe Jeez. that was confirmed. That someone uh, associated with Halo and or Microsoft has confirmed that Halo will not be at the Game Awards. <laughs> well, okay, maybe uh, the next character trailer for Marvel's Avengers. So Hawkeye. Hawkeye, I guess we're supposedly already have. Oh, yesterday. Caitlin Kate Bishop came out. Oh, was it really yesterday? I think it was December 5th. I think I should reinstall that game. Or I'll just wait. Because <laughs> I have to start all over because I lost all my save data. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, because that's not... Yeah, that one's not in the cloud. No. Like in their, thir- in their servers, I mean. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of anything like... Uh, I would love to see more Horizon. Some gameplay for Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Um, but I think... Like the things that are gonna steal a show, if if anything, is stuff we didn't see coming. Maybe Silent right. Hills, um, but I feel like that project's dead. I don't think that's happening. Okay. Um, so at I, least not I with have Kojima. A, I, have a, <laughs> I have a list of some things. Yes. Is it cool if we if we go through Please. these things and we'll just talk about whether or not we're gonna see them, not see them? Thoughts. So I started. I broke it out by third party and then first parties. Okay. So we're gonna start with third party stuff. Um, Outriders, you already touched on, hoping that we see that. I agree with that game now. I think slated for February, mm-hmm, is that right? Mm-hmm. That it would be nice to see something more from them. Uh, the big one that's getting a lot of talk right now, Elden Ring, the next game from, oh, from yeah. Software. Uh, obviously, they showed Sekiro at uh, the Game Awards two years ago. Is that what that was? Three. Two, three, three, whenever that was. Yeah. <laughs> two or three, they had two that or three very short, like six second or whatever it was, Sekiro trailer. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that we see Elden Ring? You know, Phil Spencer said he's played it. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many people read the first chapter of George R. R. Martin's new book? Uh, that doesn't mean... <laughs> <laughs> Is that equivalent to Phil Spencer having played yeah, Elden Ring? Yeah, he's like, here, play this tech for- demo that we put together. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So what do you think? Do you think we'll, that game will be there? Uh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And I... 
I mm, I feel like that might be. I think there's a possibility that we could see that. Yeah. A lot of people seem really certain we're going to, and I don't necessarily think that would be a bad thing. Or like, I, I shouldn't say a bad thing. I I don't know that I'm 100% as certain as others are, but it would not surprise me in the least if we see Elden Ring. And I think it would be a pretty big trailer if they were able to show gameplay from that. Is that so taking the place of Dark Souls 4? I don't know that they... I, like I guess what do you mean by taking the place of? Like, are we going to get a Dark Souls 4? Or is this going to... Like, could they potentially show a Dark Souls 4 trailer? Or do you think this is the game before a Dark Souls 4? I think this is definitely the game before there would be a Dark Souls 4. Okay. In fact, if I recall correctly, that it has been said that oh why am i blinking on the producer slash director of dark souls i don't know because i have no clue clue it is <laughs> so i don't blame you <laughs> why am i blanking on this right now this is makes me very very sad uh miyazaki hideki miyazaki uh, uh, miyazaki said that he would not make a dark souls 4 that if someone else wanted to continue on at the studio and make another dark souls they could but he's done with dark souls gotcha. is what he has said so we'll have to wait and see if that holds true because people say things all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Elden Ring, I think might be there also would probably be one of the bigger things maybe to be there. Uh, and if some of these, if you just want to do your patented reactions, that's totally <laughs> fine. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2. No way. No. Okay, Part 1 for Xbox. <clears throat> no. Coming to Game Pass. No, I March. don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, any chance you think we'll get more Final Fantasy 16 news? Yeah, yeah, I think they showed just enough that shows they have some game done that they could show more. Right. I could. I, yeah, I'm not super certain on either of those, but I think people are missing Game of Thrones, Kyle. This would be the perfect uh, they time are, they are to show game that new Final Fantasy game. <laughs> uh, you already talked about Mass Effect Remaster, and I agree. I think it would be like I would not be surprised if we saw something from Mass Effect Remaster. Uh, Persona 5 Scramble. I have no interest, nor do I would I even know to guess if it would be shown. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if this... There was a trailer that I think leaked and then got undeleted. Maybe it's been fully shown that apparently the game's coming out in the West in February. So How many Persona 5s are there? What's, no, PS4 and Switch. Oh. For Persona 5 Scramble? Yeah. Oh, I don't... Yeah, he lost me. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. So it's a Persona 5 Musou game. But, uh, okay. Now this one, Hades, but coming to other systems. I would love for Hades to come to other systems. It really needs to be on the Xbox and the PlayStation. So what do you think the chances are that there is some sort of Hades, yada, 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 we're coming to other, other systems? Oh, yeah, day one on Game Pass. My head would explode from enjoy, uh, from sheer enjoyment i would i am dying to play that on my xbox or or even playstation yeah i would be dying to play it on my playstation because then i could get trophies i would play it on my xbox too (laughs) i have most of their games on multiple systems so that'd be fine uh resident evil 8 getting a trailer with a release date oh i don't know i think it's too early okay because they had you know with all those capcom leaks it was saying this game was coming out in april oh that's right i forgot about that uh, I think maybe they learned their lesson with Project Resistance. Don't show a game too early. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. 
Very, very true. Uh, okay, what about Deck Nine's narrative game they're making with Square? These are the folks who made Life is Strange Before the Storm. Yeah. And it seems like the the Game Awards like having some narrative-focused game there. Was this the weird game with, like, it looked like comic book panels? No, they haven't revealed what their oh, game is okay. We don't know anything. At all we know is they're making a narrative game with Square. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I guess it could be. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Uh, Tales of Arise. The next installment in the Tales game was shown at E3 2019 on Xbox's stage, if I recall, and then was supposed to come out in this year, but got pushed to 2021. Am I missing an fr- entire franchise? What was the uh, t- Tales the of? The Tales of series? Yeah. Like Tales of Exilia? Tales- yeah. Tales of Arise? Do you know if those no, Tales of series? I'm fr- Oh, okay. It's Is Vesperia one of them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Tales of okay. Vesperia? Yeah. Uh, what a, I, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Okay, no, fine. And then the other um kind of game that was listed, that has had listings, uh, the Ninja Gaiden Sigma Trilogy. Oh. um, Yeah, that could be a game. That seems like it could be a Game Awards-y type of trailer. People yeah, love their, their nostalgia at the Game Awards. They do love their nostalgia at the Game Awards. That's the thing that, uh, yeah, I'd be interested. Because, like I said, there have been ratings. I think it's received ratings in, in some countries, which is why people think it's going to be a thing. Ooh, how about so. a new Sonic? Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's what well, I'm here for. <laughs> what about, because uh, when did the Sonic... Mania? Yeah, when did Sonic Mania come out? It's like two or three years ago. Do you think they would want to do a Sonic Mania 2? I don't understand how you put out a Sonic movie that did so well and you don't have a new Sonic game. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. That's very true. Okay, so talking about some PlayStation stuff then, quick. Uh, Silent Hill, you think not going to happen? I want it to happen so bad, but I don't see it happening. Okay, what about the rumored Metal Gear Solid remake? <laughs> I don't want that, that to happen. That supposedly Blue Point was doing at the same time as Demon Souls. I don't want that to happen, so I'm going to say no. I don't want them to remake gotcha. it. Okay. <laughs> what about uh, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart uh, with a release date? Yeah, we have to see more of that game. Okay. Ooh. Uh, God of War Ragnarok. I bet they open the show with that. Cool. I bet they open the show with at Ratchet & Clank. Ratchet & Clank? Yeah, because I think that this is supposed to be launch window, they said. And I feel like launch window would be up in... March at the latest, I'd feel like. So I think this game's going to be coming soon. Ragnarok, we already talked about being uh, a cool thing. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see that, but I'd be down for it. I, oh, speaking of which, what do you think the chances are that Car- uh, Corey Barlog isn't working on that game? Zero. He has to be working really? on it. I don't think he's working on this. I think he's working on something else. Really? I think they've made a second team there. Yeah, I don't think he's working on this game, but we'll have to wait and see. Hmm. Uh, okay. The Last of Us 2 Factions multiplayer. Oh, yeah. That's a thing that's supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we see it at the Game Awards, no. Okay. Uh, Kenner Bridge of Spirits. Yeah. We got to see that game, huh? What happened to that game? It got delayed. On, it was supposed to come out this year, and it got delayed to early 2021. Hmm. Okay. So then do you, wanna, do you want to use your time on the Game Awards when you're probably just about to do a PlayStation Direct or whatever they call it? And announce it. And that's what a state of play. And I'm wondering if we're going to get a state of play in December or in January, because there's a lot of things that they really could use some updates on. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not the game awards for this game, especially if they have a lot of big titles. Right. Uh, What about then Returnal, the new game from Housemark that's also supposed to be out in the first part of 2020? Yeah, the the company I didn't even know what (laughs) game they made. Uh, (laughs) No, maybe not game awards. Maybe maybe state of play. 
Gotcha. Uh, and then not really video game specifically related, but PlayStation related. Uh, are we going to get a first look at the Uncharted movie? Apparently, Tom Holland's going to be there. Now, I I said on Discord, there's no way there's footage ready. <laughs> and someone said, well, the movie's already wrapped. And I get that when a movie wraps, you think it's done. But when a movie wraps, it just means they're done with principal photography. They haven't done reshoots. They haven't cut the movie. Special effects haven't been done. Just because the movie's wrapped doesn't mean they're ready to show you anything. But So you're telling me that you're not going to get a 30-second camera panning down through a jungle, and you hear Mark Wahlberg as Sully yell, Nate! And you see Tom Holland like crouching down in his stream and turn around and looking, and then it just maybe, cuts. Maybe, it's like but that's not a trailer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe you get that. I think it's going to be something like that. Is that would be the get. most you, you're going to get, I think. So, yeah, we'll see. I But I do, like you said, I think we're probably going to get something for that. All right. Speaking then of Xbox, there is going for sure to be some big Game Pass something, right? There, there has to be because <laughs> are they going to show the medium? <laughs> if they're not showing Halo, saying, what, what else are they going to show? Is- <laughs> what is the but maybe they're even announcing something is coming to game pass yeah right it has to be game pass but what do you think is going to be that that thing that isn't something we already know i think your hades guess was was is a great guess they could definitely give that money yeah. to, to super giant <laughs> like they'll take it and super giant would be like thank you for your money yeah we already made a bajillion dollars after this game let's take some more money um that would be great i would love to see that happen um I just generally I don't think too much about Game Pass um, and what games could come to it because sometimes they're just so out of the blue that I never would have guessed Doom Eternal would be on there. But I mean, after they bought Bethesda, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just got all the EA Play games, so I don't know. Maybe they announced Ubisoft Connect games are coming to Game Pass. Yeah, you know that actually isn't ridiculous. <laughs> that could be something they do. Um, but I can't. I don't have a specific title. I really, I really think that your Hades uh, guess is really good, though. That's probably what I like to see the most. Uh, okay, so we've already, like I said, I'm pretty positive they already confirmed no Halo news. Uh, the thing we talked about obviously last week. What about Forza Horizon Five? No, there's a s- tomorrow. Playground is doing something. I saw, that, but do you think that is going to be? Do you think they're going to announce it there within, like, hey? more footage oh maybe they'll say stay tuned to the game awards yeah that's possible um yeah so one of two things right either we get a full 30 minute deep down like deep dive into forza horizon 5 or we get a five minute trailer that says stay tuned to the game awards for more but we're definitely seeing it this coming week and is it have they confirmed it is for sure forza horizon 5 or they just said big announcement they haven't confirmed anything it's a forza news Forza News. It didn't say So anything. it could be Forza Horizon 4, super big, awesome expansion yes. pass. Yes, it could okay. certainly be that. So, which I don't think would be a bad thing, right? It, so- it seems like going towards the, or maybe it just becomes Forza Horizon as a platform. Yeah. And they start just adding content. Man, Jeff Grubb's going to have be- some egg on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the you know, one of the big games that we saw last year that we didn't, anticipate seeing hellblade 2 do we finally see that game again oh yeah maybe we see some gameplay um it's been a while right and we know they've been working on the game it's the only game they've been working on 
I think there we have the potential with all these studios Microsoft bought to see something from what they're working on because they're giving them the time to do it without like pushing it out there. It just depends on right. what they want to show because they're still adding into a new year where they can show off whatever they want in June. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that they would do something as I mean, last year, like, obviously, like I said, they went big. They showed their console. Yeah. Do you think they would do something as big as showing, like, the initiatives project? That'd be nice uh, if they did or or whatever the coalition's working on. Um, they could. They if they If they went into this saying, like, we need to be more on people's minds than PlayStation, then, then I could definitely see them pulling out apparently all the big guns except for... Master Chiefs. <laughs> what about uh, Psychonauts 2? Do you think we'll see more from that? I don't think so. I think it's shown enough. It just needs to release yeah. at this point. And here's where then I go back and I think of all of the th- trailers that we've seen for Microsoft games, and all of them seemed like they were far away. So I don't wow. know. are Because, you know, when I think of Fable and um, just Forza Motorsport and a lot of the other things they showed, I felt like seemed like 2022 games and maybe i was wrong um so what else do you think and again i'm not as plugged into the xbox ecosystem as you are by any means uh so are there things that i'm missing are there obvious things that they could be showing that i'm not thinking of that would be fun or cool for them to show i don't know i honestly i'm a little bit out of touch with the xbox within this past year um, I'm still excited about everything they're doing, but really, like, it was a PlayStation year for me. So uh, I'm excited for anything that they're bringing. I just don't, I don't feel like I know what I could even predict from them. But I've always liked that about them. I think everything yeah. they brought has genuinely been a surprise to me. So I'm happy with it in that in that regards. But I don't know that I could make a good prediction on it. Yeah, they definitely do have the most unique uh, and broad types of games of any of the first parties, and it's not even close. For sure, yeah. There's definitely yeah. a game for you on the Xbox, multiple games for you on the Xbox, so you just have to kind of find it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say there's probably going to be some Age of Empires something that everyone else will get excited about, and I will not care about it. <laughs> oh, we already, <laughs> got, like we already got our Age of Empires 3 thing. I don't think they're going to do Age of Empires 4, so... Uh, I don't think you'll see that. So I don't know anything okay. about Age of I, <laughs> I had I had friends who love Age of Empires, and I tried to play it one time, and I was like, "This is not for me." <laughs> uh, but everyone gets really excited whenever they talk it's about great, it. So I thought it's a great maybe series. <laughs> so, all right, uh, and then Nintendo. So I don't obviously Nintendo is the one I'm least plugged into. Yeah. Uh, but hey, Bayonetta three is that game still a thing? Uh, by all accounts, it is. <laughs> Do we think we're going to see Bayonetta three? I don't think so. Uh, okay, Metroid Prime anything, either 4 or the tri- Rumor Trilogy. Mm. Do you think we're going to see either of those? No. Uh, what about a new Smash character? Yes. I think there'll be a Smash tease. Okay, and what about Breath of the Wild 2? No way, no. not They wouldn't do that at the Game Awards. That's a Nintendo a- baby. <laughs> They would show is there that. anything else from Nintendo that I'm missing? The new probably is the answer, the, but I just don't know off the top that of That Mario game is going to probably be shown... Oh, with the Bowser's uh, Bowser's Fury, yeah, um, yeah. This is a question for Donnie uh, or Garrett or Rebecca or Rebecca. Um, they would know more. I would just be guessing. I just don't know what Nintendo has on the horizon. Right. Um, but I just bought two Nintendo Switch games on Black Friday, so like I'm still playing them on my Nintendo Switch. 
plays? What what two games did you buy? Yeah, Super Mario Brothers U, the Switch version, whatever. Um, and I got my wife Yoshi's the yarn game for Yoshi's for, Crafted World. Yeah, for Christmas. She cool. doesn't listen anymore, so she won't hear this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and I got some digital games too, but they were all super giant games. <laughs> so <laughs> hey, those are always good purchases. Always good purchases. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you can think of for the game awards? Anything else that you're like, hey, it'd be really cool if I should say like while I said like I like I like getting surprised by Xbox. I do genuinely think Nintendo comes out with surprises that actually like get me to want to get the games. I think it just is a matter of do I ever get them or not. So I think Nintendo will definitely show off. I think we could still see um Kingdom uh the Rabbids Battle 2, Mario versus Rabbids Kingdom Battle 2. We could see the sequel to that for sure. Um so I'm I'm still excited to see what Nintendo shows. They have a they have a really big audience of gamers that aren't necessarily their demographic at the game awards. So it's also a good opportunity for them to to try to get more people onto the console. So um, maybe maybe we see the Switch Pro. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, no, that would be that would be interesting if they decided that that was actually a thing. And here it coming in March when we put out yeah, when we cancel all the games that you can buy now and they go into the vault, like via like like Disney does. You can't buy Mario Galaxy like all-stars anymore now you can buy the switch pro uh, this monitor is in this room every time we record and just tonight it's deciding to make noises <laughs> well you know that's okay that's okay yeah, yeah, yeah so i don't know i'm excited i mean i'm as excited as i can be about the video game awards um i like i like the experience of seeing trailers with everyone at the same time i know i can just wait and go on youtube and watch all the trailers right after it's over but I, I am genuinely excited to like watch them uh, what I can in real time with other people and get excited. So we'll see. I agree. And it is fun because it typically is a pretty big celebration of games. And while there are sometimes some game reveals that happen in this that are a little, um, you know, that Fast and the Furious game that turned out to not be <laughs> super great. Uh, for the most part, it's still a fun uh, celebration of games and whether you like the awards or don't like the awards or like the reveals or don't like the reveals I mean Jeff Keighley he very clearly loves games so yes. hopefully everything goes well this year and the show goes off without a hitch and we have no issues or things like that it'll be interesting having it be all because it's all just online right I don't know how they're doing it yeah I'm not sure yeah I'm wondering, I don't even know, because I know for the opening night live for Gamescom, it was an actual stage thing that they did. So I'm wondering maybe if they are doing it like that, or if it's just going to be people via Zoom chatting. You know what I would like? Uh, more information on G4. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Like announcing, we already know Austin Creed. I, I can't remember what his stage name is and what his real name is. Um, But we already know he's part of it, and officially, so I, maybe they... Tell us how it's going to be accessible, or they reveal a new um, um, personality for the network. But something mm. that's a good that's a good call. That's a good call. I could definitely see that. All right, Josh. Well, that comes to the end of our regular mm. topics, which means we have gotten to prediction time. 
So what news is going to be announced on Monday before the podcast is released? Forza, Forza Horizon Five. That's what. Stay. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, uh, Cyberpunk will be delayed. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, so are you playing anything like a lot right now? Not a lot. I'm playing um, Immortals: Phoenix Rising, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, I'm playing the Call of Duty campaign. I'm playing mm-hmm. Godfall. I'm not like playing games like I was playing Spider-Man. Is this because once Cyberpunk comes, you're just going to play Cyberpunk? No, I think I just have this problem where I have too many games to choose from. Mm-hmm. And because my Xbox is always on, because it's my entertainment hub, um, you know, F- Immortals is just there and it there's right. no loading. So you just immediately start playing the game. <laughs> Yeah, but no haptic feedback or adaptive I know. Feedback. I was like, why didn't I buy this on PlayStation? <laughs> um, I, how sad is it that I almost bought it on PlayStation? Just for that? Even though we have it on <laughs> Xbox. Because I was like, oh, I wonder if it's any good. You can feel your controller as you're losing your grip climbing up the mountain. <laughs> and then it gets really cold. Is it starting it to rain shaking, yeah. And Josh is getting all sad. <laughs> uh, I think I'm ready. I have the following week off, so... I'm going to be potty training my son for the whole week, hopefully successfully, and trying to play Cyberpunk. <laughs> I'm, and I'm sure he'll sit there and watch He will not be awake while I'm playing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been playing pretty much just Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I've been waiting to get into I, Assassin's Creed. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm just going to continue with that or if I'm going to switch to playing Cyberpunk when it comes out. But I'm really enjoying Assassin's Creed now. I was a little cool on it at the start but i've gotten to into the groove if that makes sense with it so yeah my thought process on cyberpunk is if i get into it like if i start playing it and it's and it's good but not great i'll probably put it down and wait for the next gen upgrade right or if i finish or in that or if i finish a different game before it but then i'll probably go back and like finish um immortals and uh finish call of duty and start Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, okay. So you're predicting, well, Forza Horizon 5 and maybe and Cyberpunk, <laughs> Cyberpunk to be delayed. Delayed. Even though people are already playing it because some editions got sent out early by Best Buy. Nice job, Best Buy. Yeah, it's going to be delayed. <laughs> uh, my prediction is we will get the announcement of a major game that is going to be at <laughs> the Game Awards. You take the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I did take the low-hanging fruit. I did take the low-hanging fruit. That's what I'm saying is going to happen. Hey, fill in the blank. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't we'll be showing at the Game Awards. Of this. So, awesome. All right. Well, we are a gaming podcast, but we do want to leave you with our recommendations for a well-rounded life, which is something that we're into right now that isn't gaming-related. As helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners? I gotta look, make sure I wrote the title down. Okay, I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> My recommendation, not that you need a reason to get HBO na- uh, Max now, uh, if you didn't get one over the weekend. Um, it's a, a documentary on HBO Max. It's called Murder on Middle Beach. Um, I'm actually very excited because it's four episodes in the fourth episode starts in 12 minutes so i'm excited to finish it um it is another true crime documentary it's about uh, the death of a woman who lives on the road middle beach in connecticut um but the documentary is uh done by her son um not only 
is this a compelling story that um, has a lot of questions and and twists that come up. It's also you're following this her son as he's like discovering things, and he started this documentary as his um, college um, project, like his I think for film school, and it, it actually uh, um, covers a, a, a bunch of different years. It started early and it's it's continuing, um, but. Most notably, I want to say it is one of the best shot and produced documentaries I have seen in a long time. Like it is so well done. It is so professional. The the cuts, the transitions, the the way that this thing is told, um, it's just very impressive. Um, I don't think I've seen a documentary at this caliber in, in a long time. It's really sticking out as me as like incredibly well and i can see why hbo bought this um because it is just very well done and um some you know it's 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 a sad story and it's and and the sadness gets overshadowed by sometimes the craziness that happens in the story so it's definitely a compelling thing to watch um it's not violent like you're not watching like um like crime scene photos and stuff like that. It's more of an investigation piece than anything else. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend if you like that kind of stuff, murder on middle beach on HBO max. Very cool. Uh, my recommendation is I just noticed this the other day and maybe it's been there for a long time, uh, but Moneyball's on Netflix now. And if you've never watched Moneyball, you really should. If you like baseball you might like it more <laughs> but even if you don't like baseball moneyball is still a really really good movie yeah uh and i watched it again i haven't seen the movie in years and i watched it again and it was like wow this movie's really great brad pitt is awesome in it jonah hill is really really good in it there's a nice even though it's based on a true story there's still like a good message in it really uh and i just really enjoyed the movie and i liked it so much that i was like you know what i need in my life i need more aaron sorkin writing so then i went and watched the social network again too <laughs> because nice. aaron sorkin is such a good writer my goodness oh i just anyway. watched underwater the kristen kristen stewart movie and it has mm-hmm. the actor who played jim on newsroom on oh it, yeah, and i was yeah. like i need to watch newsroom again <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my gosh aaron sorkin is so good but yeah if you've never seen moneyball go ahead and watch it on netflix if you're not into baseball and you're like i don't know if i want to watch that then watch the social network because that's on netflix too but just get yourself some aaron sorkin in your life because it makes you feel so good and you're just in awe at the way that man can write dialogue it's so good he anyway. also did was it studio 60 on the sunset strip that's about yes. uh, about uh Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford about basically about SNL. That was a really good show too. That got canceled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like The West Wing. Yeah, and The and West Wing. The American President. You know, those were good at the movies too and shows. So check those things out. It's so good. All right, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? <laughs> Let's do it. Thank you for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithfiji, so please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. 
That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board With Video Games feed. Uh, in lieu of my plugs, I want to say to our listeners, Kyle and I will be doing our top board games of the year soon. I want yours. So if you guys want to tweet us or email us, uh, give us your top five board games of the year. If you've been able to play board games, uh, if you haven't, maybe digital adaptations. I'd love to include them in the show uh, if you guys contribute. So if you want to do that, get us your top five board games of the year. And thank you. Kyle, where can people find you? So really, really briefly, side note, uh, since you talked about Studio 60, I also need to give a short shout out to Sports Night. Sports Night, great show. Oh my gosh, Sports Night, one of the most underrated shows like of all yeah. time. Uh, that is a great Eric show. show. But anyway, it's a, I think it's actually really hard to find to be able to watch, I think. But it's really great. One of, the, but anyway. one of the guys from Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place and one of the guys from Six Feet Under. <laughs> That's right. That, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> correct. Who actually was an uh, alum of a college that I worked at. But anyway, we can talk about that later. <laughs> anyway, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, and Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Be sure to send us your board game picks of the things that you enjoyed this year. We'd love to hear them. As always, if you have suggestions for other topics, please sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, Never stop gaming.